Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So today we're going to be starting a new series because it's December. You've got to get in the Christmas spirit. And uh, so today we're starting a series called Star of Wonder. And uh, yeah, it's flashing. I don't know why it's flashing. But uh, it's really exciting to be Star of Wonder. Um, and so everybody's familiar with the, uh, the nativity story and the story of uh, Christ's birth. So today we're going to go like next level. Like we're going to go like really do a deep dive into the history of, uh, of this story. And actually we're going to look at the significance of the star. I don't know if anybody has ever done any actual research into like the astronomy that goes into the star, that it says the, you know, the wise men followed a star and all that kind of stuff. And I've never actually done like a real deep dive into the actual star, like the astronomy of it. And so I did. And let me tell you, it's absolutely fascinating what's going on. It's really, really crazy. Um, so I hope you think it's as cool as I do because I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, and if not, again, you can read your program or things like that. Um, we're going to start with Matthew's account of Jesus' birth. And uh, just so for context, as we talk about this, Jesus, we don't know that Jesus was actually born in the year one, right? Like, there, there's, there's some debate. I mean, was anybody around back then? I don't know if anybody looked really good for your age, but... Um, uh, the exact date of his birth is unknown. Most likely it's off by a couple of years, like it wasn't actually, you know, the very first year. Um, and so if you do a lot of research, you know, historically, there are some things and some records and they're not sure exactly what time it was. But um, maybe maybe the star can actually tell us what time it was. Um, but at that time in history, the Jewish community there was be, was a, was occupied and basically oppressed by Romans. Uh, so the Roman, it was Roman rule at that time in history. Um, and Herod, if you ever heard of King Herod, he is the uh, Roman representative in Jerusalem. So this is Israel, occupied by Rome. So Herod is sort of the, the plant there, the person that's overseeing it. Before the Romans, it was the Greeks. Uh, before the Greeks, it was the Persians. Um, so this land has been occupied and, and oppressed for a long time, right, by, by many other uh, cultures. So the people had been oppressed for generations, just so we're aware of context, Right? Jesus is born into a side that's been oppressed for a long time, okay? occupied by other people, and they're desperate for help. And so in Matthew chapter 1, and there's no Bibles in the chairs because if you haven't noticed, the choir is singing, say, the Community Christian Choir. And so we're going to need to vacate here um, shortly after. I'm going to ask you later to help me. We've got to be out of this room by like 1130. So we should be good. You're looking at your clock. Yeah, I should be done by an hour. We'll be all right. Um, but uh, so we, just to save time, we don't have Bibles. So it'll be up on the screen so you can read along. Matthew 1, we read this. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, said the angel, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. Have you heard this before? Anybody ever hear the story? All right, maybe. All right. Our English language misses a few things here. I don't know if any Hebrew uh, scholars in the room, but in Hebrew, Jesus is Yeshua. 
Is that correct? Is that how we say it? Yeshua. All right. Now, in Hebrew, also, the word to save is yesha. Yesha, is that correct? Yesha, something like that. That's how it looks. And the sentence basically translates that his name will be Yeshua, for he will yesha his people. So there's a little bit of a, of a wordplay there that we're missing in English. So the people were actually, remember, oppressed people, hoping for a savior at this time in history. And God tells Joseph, your son is going to be a savior for his people. So this is like, oh, this is great news for these people. So let's read now Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, Roman ruler. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Now, Herod's a political leader, but he's afraid of hearing that there's a new king coming. So he asked, and they say, well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, this is an old prophecy, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. He was like, hey, guys, when did you first see that star? Right, he's trying to work on a timeline here. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem, search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Right. How many of you believe that? Right. Right. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. I don't know if any of you are actually like reading or hearing the story going for real. Like a little bit of skepticism, like this is a nice little fable here, but come on. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's just take a moment and pray. God, I ask you to grant us understanding today. Open our eyes to see what we have never seen before, and help us to hear what we've never heard. Amen. Amen. So, there's a huge difference between what we hear when we read this and what those who lived through it experienced. Do you we understand that? Like, we don't live in Israel, in occupied Jerusalem, right, in the year, two, in the year zero, right, in wherever, whatever time. Like, we're very far removed from what actually happened culturally at that time. So it's a little hard for us to read this story and understand it exactly as they did. Yeah, and we have a lot of Christmas narratives there's a lot of stories that we've been told through the years about how that went down and children's plays and a lot of all this stuff. And what happens is so that becomes our frame of reference for what actually Christmas was like. And not all of that's entirely accurate. And so that's really hard because we're like, but that's the story that I've, I've known to love. We sing about that. But that might not actually be what happened. And it doesn't threaten God. It's just that's not historically what happened, Right. Um, or at least not in maybe the way that we think about it in the, in the kids' books. Um, so we're going to try and go back in time as best we can. 
Right? And just so we know, this isn't threatening our faith. Okay? This is just saying, let's look at history and see what actually happened. Um, and we're going to go and try and pretend like we're the wise men. Now, we don't know that there were three of them. There could have been 20 of them. We don't know. We just know they brought three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so we just attribute three gifts, three wise men. There were probably more. Right? Three guys don't just set off on camels. Right? Like, there's probably a group of people traveling here. Um, but it's okay. There can be, you can be three if you want, but there was probably more. Three works for kids' plays because we only need three in their dad's, in their dad's bathrobes, right? Three in the bathrobes with the beards and the staffs. Okay. Because um, too many of those shepherds and wise men, uh, be, then it becomes a little chaotic on stage. Um, so these wise men were scholars. They were engaged in astronomy. They came from a group of people that studied astronomy, right? They knew the stars. They, under, they studied the planets. They studied, you know, uh, all sorts of things about stars and comets and other phenomena. They may have been from Persia or Arabia, not really sure, but one of those two places which would have been to the east of Jerusalem. We're not sure how far towards the east they were, just that they were east. I mean, they could have been as east as like Allentown, right? Like we don't know. They just were east. Um, So most likely from Persia or Arabia because those are two places where um, uh, groups that studied astronomy would have originated from. Um, they were Gentiles. We know this for sure. They were not Jewish. These were not Jewish people. They, they were so Gentiles. Anybody who's not Jewish, so they were not Jewish. Um, they didn't know the Jewish prophecies, which is evidence in the story because they had to say they came to Herod and were like, "Hey, where's the king?" But they knew nothing about the prophecies, so that had to be told to them. Um, but what they did know is they knew the sky. They knew the stars. They knew movements, and they understood things that happened in the skies. And they saw something that made them leave wherever they were and travel and make a journey. Now, listen, stuff happens in the sky all the time. But there was something different that happened at this time in history that made these non-Jewish people who didn't know anything about prophecies, who just knew that there was something in there that indicated that a king had been born. How do you read the stars and understand king from stars? Well, there's a whole study right around astrology. Astrology is different than astronomy, correct? Right? And astrology, that they believed that there were signs in the stars that indicated that a king had been born, which is really interesting. Because did they get it right? Like we have hindsight, right? We, we get the benefit of that. Like It's really interesting that something about their lack of knowledge about Jewish things, but their understanding about the stars led them to interpret that a king was being born. Hmm. So they journey... From a distant land, it may have taken them many months. We're not sure how long it took them, but it probably took them some time, right? at least a few months to get here. could have been longer. So here's my question for you today. I don't know if you've done study on this, but what did they actually see? Was it a star that actually moved into this? Was it a planet, like in orbit, right? Was it a supernova, a natural phenomenon? Was it an angel? just sort of guiding them that looked like a star that was bright. What was it? Well, here's what we know. Whatever, whatever it was appeared suddenly. It was not there, and then it was. We know that. Two, it remained in the sky for an extended period of time because it actually led them. It moved, so it didn't stay in one place. It actually says they followed the star. It moved, and it moved different places. And last, it appeared to actually stop over the place where Jesus was born. It actually appeared to... So think about this. It appears suddenly for a long period of time 
It moves and then it stops. So that's unusual. That's unusual. But it didn't do all those things in the beginning. Right? It, it, they followed it first when it appeared. It led them. It moved. Right? Then it stopped. And actually, eventually, it disappeared. Now, stars held great meaning for these wise men. Something was unusual about the way this star appeared. There was something about the appearance of the star that got their attention. The most likely scenario is that this is not a planet. Because a planet wouldn't have just appeared. These are people who knew the skies. They would have known where the planets were. They would have recognized the cycles, the orbits. They would have known that that's, that, that planet would have shown up at that time of year. And they would have understood this was most likely not a planet. Right? Planets don't move and, and hover and do all those kind of things. Not, not in that sense. It's most likely not a star. Because stars don't move. Right? They stay, right? They stay, they hold their position relative to the other stars. Right? Then constellations, they're there. But, I mean, shooting stars, everybody, anybody ever see a shooting star? Right? But do they last for a long time? I mean, you gotta really pay attention, right? I mean, it's quick. It's quick. I love seeing shooting stars. I got a thing for shooting stars. To be honest, the first night I hung out with Anna, that night I saw a shooting star, so I think it was a sign. For me, it's a sign. Like, that was it. It's always been my sign. I saw a shooting star when we met Anna. That's how I knew it was the right one. Um, that and the fact that she was gorgeous and amazing. Um, so it's not a star. It's not a planet. So what's left? What's left? So here's what I've come to. In doing my, I've done a lot of research this week on this. I've spent a lot of time studying this. And one biblical researcher said this. He says, The star appeared suddenly and was visible for an extended period of time, something that makes sense only if it were a great comet. Hmm. A comet. It says that the star surprised the wise men with its impressive rising, and rising is basically when it comes out from behind the sun and it actually appears for the first time. They call that rising. It said it points to it strongly being a comet. Of all the celestial bodies, only comets behave in this manner. Ever think about that, that this, it was actually a comet. Back then, the word star that they use in the text is just for a, something that happens in the sky, right? a light in the sky. Another researcher said that comets probably have the greatest dramatic appearance of all astronomical phenomena. The most just, oh man, anybody ever see a comet? Right? Anybody? No, it's because they're rare. Halley's Comet, right? These rare, com- once-in-a-lifetime things. They're, they're few and far between they can be extremely bright and easily visible to the naked eye for weeks and months at a time. Spectacular comets typically appear only a few times each century. They're rare and they're spectacular and they're amazing. They can move slowly or rapidly across the backdrop of the stars because they're not a star, but they're in the stars, but they move across them. Hmm. According to NASA... In the distant past, people were both awed and alarmed by comets, perceiving them as long-haired stars. Isn't that interesting? That appeared in the sky unannounced. See this long, hairy star. Chinese astronomers kept extensive records for centuries of comets and stars and supernova and all these things. They included illustrations of the types of comets and their tails. Right? The times of comet appearances and disappearances and celestial positions. Listen, there is some impressive record keeping by, the, by Chinese um, astronomers. And we now know that comets 
mostly consist of ice coated with like a dark organic material. They're basically cosmic snowballs of uh, frozen gas, rock, and dust, roughly the size of a small town. That's what comets are. They're gas and dust and ice and dirty snowballs, somebody called them. When a comet's orbit brings it close to the sun, it heats up and spews dust and gases into a giant glowing head larger than most planets. And the dust and gases form a tail that stretches away from the sun for millions of kilometers. So hence you get what it looks like to be falling off this burning gas and dust. Interesting. Anybody ever hear this song? Said the night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? A star, a star dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. Hmm. 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 I originally did my graphic. You can go... Go back to the uh, just the regular Star of Wonder background, if you will. Um, uh, maybe we'll get there. Let's see. I originally did this graphic with like a, an actual, like the classic star, you know, up there. And as I was doing my research this week, I was like, you know, I think I need to change that a little bit. So I took that comment from that picture and I put it in this one. You know, maybe maybe that's more more accurate. Maybe that's what it looked like. Now, for the wise men, according to their beliefs, comets held meaning. They weren't just random. They actually had, you know, religions and, and things based around their understanding of the stars. Now, this is not saying we believe this, but for the wise men, we've got to understand how they would have understood this. They believe that comets announced both good and bad major events. In particular, the births and deaths of kings and important victories or defeats in wars. They regarded comets as messengers of major changes in the established order. Isn't that interesting? So although a comet was regarded as maybe a bad omen for a king who was about to die for the side that was going to lose a war, equally a comet was regarded as a good omen heralding a new king or a major victory on the, for those on the winning side. Now maybe we understand a little bit more about why Herod was a little concerned when he heard that there was a comet. Huh. Signal change. The Chinese described a tailed comet as a, I'm going to do my best, a sui xing, meaning a broom star. The broom referring to the tail of the comet. Interesting. Because the Chinese description of a comet in 524 BC saw it as a new broom sweeping away traditions and the old order of things. And in 300 BC, another astronomer said that a comet is like a broom. It signals the sweeping away of evil. Interesting. This is just secular history. Just what people believed about comets. In the official history of the Han Dynasty, it reads the second year of the Qinping rain period, the second month, a Sui Xing, a tailed comet, appeared for over 70 days. A broom comet appeared in 5 BC. Huh. Interesting. This comet appeared in the area of the sky, including the constellation Capricornus. If any of you are into astrology, you know a little bit about that. In March and April, Capricornus rose above the eastern horizon as seen from Arabia and neighboring countries and was first visible in the morning twilight. Again, this is just history. You can go back and find this stuff. They kept 
detailed records of the sky's happenings. Okay. So this particular comet in 5 BC at that time of the year would have been first seen rising in the east in the morning sky. Star rising in the east. The Chinese records also described this 5 BC comet as being visible again for 70 days. So it was continuously visible. Rise in the east, continuously visible. Interesting. So why would a comet cause wise men to make a journey? It's still great to comet change, but why make a journey because of it? Perhaps a combination of three things were involved here. Again, this is all history. You can read this for yourself. In 7 BC, two years prior, there was what was called a triple conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. Anybody know what that means? Because I did not. Anybody? A triple conjunction. No. Nope. Yeah, Pete. How are you? Yeah, Pete's smart. They lined up. When two planets or a planet and a star meet three times in a short period, they overlapped. So Saturn and Jupiter overlapped. And according to Babylonian theories, important religious and political changes are predicted by the conjunctions of Saturn and Jupiter. When those things happen, something is going to change in religious or political world. So this was just according to what they thought. So what happened in 7 BC was basically, huh, a conjunction. So it was like an alarm for these wise men, for people who studied the skies, something's going to happen. Shortly after that triple conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, Mars joined Jupiter and Saturn in the sky so that in February of 6 BC, the three planets were separated by only about eight degrees. The three planets now aligned. This was sign number two that something was going to happen. Then in the spring of 5 BC, just so happens that a comet blazes forth. The comet, for the wise men, was essentially the third and final sign for them. It wasn't the comet by itself, but it was that combined with these two other sky events, right? Astronomical events, that for people who study stars, something's going to happen. A king's got to be born because this is not just, to them it's not just chance. This is how their world is ordered by stars. We're not saying this is biblical. This is just how they understood life. Remember, not Jewish. So when these wise men saw the third time, this, this, the third sign, it was time to move. Something's happened. A new king has entered the world. So they come to Jerusalem and say, where's the new king? And Herod goes, excuse me. And they say, well, we saw a star that was moving. And they probably give him the whole history and the whole story. So here's the question for us. They come into history at this point. They show up in the story. See, we read it, and they just saw a star, and they followed it. But there's so much more that probably motivated these wise men to do this. So here's the thing. When they show up, they know nothing about the prophecies that are in Jewish history for generations. Hundreds of years of prophecies about a king who was going to be born in this town. They meet there, but they know nothing about this side of the story. Just so happens that they show up. And here it goes, yeah, we got a prophecy about that. Tell them. So let me ask you the question. 
Is this just some cosmic coincidence? Do the people who study stars, who believe that the star signal changes on earth, did they just get really, really lucky? I don't know. Just asking. I mean, perhaps it just so happened. Maybe it just so happened that a comet of extraordinary brightness followed two other major celestial events and slowly traveled across the sky at the same time these astrologers were expecting something to happen. At the exact time they expected change to come, and it just so happened to lead them to the exact town that was unknown to them but prophesied by Jewish prophets for, for generations to a child who was, in fact, the very Son of God. It just so happened. It just so happened. Was this just chance, or was there more? Is there any way that a God who perhaps spoke the stars into being who created the world, the God who says unrolled the heavens, the author of creation, perhaps was he behind this? I mean, maybe they were just following what they believed to be true about the world, but could they have in their unknowing been actually following something that God was the author of? You think God could go, okay, sorry, ready? Flick. Stop. You think God could have done that? So for me, I think that God loves us so much and he wants us to know him so bad that he will speak through anything and everything to get our attention. That's what I think. I think God will speak in any way possible to get our attention. I think he spoke to astrologers through stars. That's what I think. I think he spoke to shepherds out in pastures where they were. And I think he spoke to Moses in a wilderness where he was through a bush that was on fire but not burning up because that was unusual. See, I think God still speaks to us in ways that we understand and he speaks wherever you are. He's going to get your attention in your normal These were guys who were always looking at the stars. So God said, okay, I'm going to speak to you through stars. See, I think God still speaks. I think he can speak to mothers through children. I think he speaks to accountants through numbers. I think he speaks to doctors through the intricacies of the body. He can speak to scientists through physics and biology and chemistry. He speaks to computer programmers through code. He speaks to teachers through students and to students through teachers. See, I think God can speak to you wherever you are in a language that you understand. Because I think God spoke to astrologers who knew nothing about him through stars because he wanted them to know. Why else would he do that? Let me ask you this. How many others do you think saw that star? Do you think other people saw the comet? Do you think it was just like just that exclusive, just the three wise men? Because there's only three of them. Was it just the wise men that saw this? Do you think other people saw it? See, I think other people saw it. And you know what I think they went? Wow. 
It's cool. Alright. But it didn't mean anything because they didn't speak star. Last night I went out and looked at the stars. There's like 18 of them. It was great. I literally could count them. I was like, I should try and count these. I think I actually got to like 31. I could see 31 stars. That's Jersey. Um, but you know, when I look at the stars, I can recognize Orion. I know Orion, Big Dipper, Little Dipper, about maybe North Star, Moon. Um, but when I look at the stars, there's a lot I miss. There's a lot I do not understand about the star. God can't speak to me through stars. But he can speak to them through stars. And you know what they can do? They can say, hey, that star is a king. So they went to Herod and said, I saw a star, and that star means a king. They pointed out what they saw. So I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that saw that star and probably dismissed it and had no response whatsoever because they had no idea what they were looking at. You ever get like really excited about something that you know somebody else doesn't understand the nuance about? Like, oh, this is so cool. If you could only understand. See, to me, that's how God speaks to us. He speaks to you in a language you understand because it's for you. He wants you to understand. He's speaking to you. In a way only you would understand. But this is so cool. He just wants you to know. So what can we learn from the wise men? First, be on the lookout for God. Open your eyes. They were expecting something. They were looking at the stars. And they saw it. They didn't miss it when it came. This was a once in a lifetime thing. Not only did they see it, but you know what they did? They moved. They acted. That's something different. When you go about your day and you understand that something is unusual, that there's something there, respond. When you see God speaking to you in a way that you know this is so, respond to it. Don't let that moment pass you by. Because let me ask, what happens to these wise men? They say, hey, that probably means a king. I wonder who it would be. And they never follow it. And they never go. And they never see him. And we'll maybe talk in a few weeks about what impact that actually had on them. What if they missed it? Are you looking for God? Let me tell you, look for God wherever you are and expect Him to speak in ways that fill you with wonder. There was something about that star that caught these wise men's attention. I have to follow that. Expect God to do things in your everyday, wherever you are. Maybe it's at work. How can God, yeah, God can speak through it. He can speak through what? Teachers. He can speak through you when you're teaching. He can speak through you when you're sitting in your office. You're selling real estate. Whatever you're doing, God can speak to you. But it's just something, hey, they're just staring at stars. And God spoke. Maybe you're at home. God will speak to you wherever you are. And here's the second thing. When you see God, point it out. Point it out. These wise men didn't just follow that star. They came to Herod and said, hey, I saw something. 
That means a king. I would have no idea what that star meant had these wise men not pointed it out. That would have happened and none of us would know about it except for the fact that the wise men came and told somebody. Let me tell you, when you see God get his broom out and announce change, there are people that have yet to see God who can't see him the way you see him in things. And maybe you say, nobody will understand the nuance of this. It doesn't matter. Tell it anyway, because all you're doing is saying, God spoke to me through this. And God can speak to you through your thing. Just point out that God spoke to you. God can, maybe God can speak through fantasy football. I doubt it, but maybe. But whatever it is, God can speak to you. In a way that you will understand. And when you hear it and recognize it, point it out. That's God. That's God. That's God. And let me tell you how. See, if we will look, we'll see God in ways that are going to fill us with wonder. Let me ask, do you see what I see? Ask somebody this. Do you see what I see? A star, a star. Dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. I'm confident that God still speaks. And we're going to see him in ways that we will never see him, if we have never seen him before. I'm confident that this Christmas season, God's going to speak to you in ways. If you're looking, if you will, if you will look, God will speak to you. And I want to hear it. Like if you, listen, point it out to me. Send me emails. Call me up, Pastor Dan. I saw God. I saw God and so I was making a salad. I don't care. Probably better chance at the donut store, but hey. It's going to fill you with wonder. The wise men said, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Let God's, let God just fill you with wonder this season. He wants to speak to you. And when you see it, point it out so that everybody can know. Just take a moment and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you still speak. Lord, you spoke in many ways through the prophets, through the years. In every generation, you've spoken. And you still do it today. You're the God of the living. You speak to us. And so, God, we invite you to speak in ways that we can hear you. And, God, I ask you to fill us with expectation. Open our eyes. Let us be on the lookout. Let us be alert and attentive. Let us genuinely come with expectation into every moment of every day that you're going to speak. Let's look for you. And, Lord, when you speak what you speak, is affirmation of your love for us, of your desire to be in relationship with us. That you just see us and know us. Give us eyes to see, hearts to perceive you. I thank you. We give ourselves to you. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.